Uh, firstly, a big thanks to all those who made all of this happen. Wow, up front, behind the scenes, in the foyer. Those camels, where did you get those camels in the foyer? <laughs> Amazing. Um, but firstly, you know, I want to begin with a rebuke. And my rebuke is to those who call MBM home. Why is it that not one baby was named after me in 31 years? Shame on you. I didn't even get a middle name. But seriously, the last few months have been a series of joyful memories uh, and recollections like the one Sam just touched on and sad goodbyes. One person said, Ray, I was hoping that uh, you, know, you would take my funeral. And I said, well, there's still time, but you better giddy up. <laughs> But in a way, it's times like this that you actually feel like you're at your own funeral, but it's kind of your life to enjoy the experience. Um, and uh, uh, I first taught the passage we're about to look at. I chose it. I really am denar, but I chose it because it was the passage that we first looked at as a Bible study group in that first Sunday in March in a lounge room in Blacktown in 1991. And uh, with six people. And I guess the point is, it's exactly the same gospel that has been transforming lives through Jesus Christ these last three decades. It's the only lifeline thrown out to humanity. Um, it begins not with our love for God, of course. You never begin there. You always begin with God's love for us. Uh, when it comes to being loved, I feel like I'm a bit of an expert. Um, I thank God for loving me through my parents, my family, my beloved wife, Sandy, my three precious children, my daughter-in-law, my three grandchildren who are here, who melt my heart, um, uh, my long-lasting friends. Uh, 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 I have constantly uh, felt loved by the brothers and sisters of MBM that we've journeyed together, the wider church, as I touched on earlier, both within the denomination and beyond. Um, uh, but friends, the real high point, if you want to know the love of God, and that's all true, that's all common grace, but the real high point for God's love for us is really captured in but one place, on the cross, that bloodstained cross at Golgotha. Now, I'm the original guitarist of MBM. I don't know if you realise that. Got to play six weeks until Musa and Matt tapped me on the shoulder and moved me on. Brother, they were really saying, we want to relieve ourselves of the burden of having to listen to you play one more time. But I love playing guitar, and uh, when I was a teenager, I would play a, a song with my friends, and we'd really laugh a lot together. And, and it went like this. The, I won't sing it. The ocean parts when I walk through, the clouds dissolve, the sky turns blue. I'm held in great value by everyone I meet but you. Everybody loves me, baby. What's the matter with you? Won't you tell me, what did I do to offend you? Now, here was a song that spoke of one's lovableness, that if you didn't love me, then, honey, you were the one with the problem. But I knew, we all knew, that's why our friends always laugh when we sang the song, that it was so far from the truth that when you overstepped the line in a relationship, so often the relationship didn't last and the text messages ended and the invitations ended. And God is really saying in this passage, you have tasted of the rest, now let me take you to the best. Romans 5.8, we are now at the top of Mount, God's Mount Everest of love. I wonder if we can have just a touch more light. It's a bit dark in here, yeah. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is telling us that you have looked for love in so many places, a love that basically plays always by the rules. You love those who love you, you love those who are blood, etc. But he says, let me now take you to a love that breaks all the rules. 
Now, before you grasp good news, you've got to get the bad news under your belt. If you want to see the brilliance of the stars, you don't look out during the day, you always wait at night. And against the jet blackness of the night, those stars will scream out at you. And if you want to see the brilliance of Christ, well, what you do is you need to see what you and I were like, you know, what we humans were like when Christ died for us. And there are four words in this passage that describe what we were like. Now, I know it's not pretty, but the thing about God is he won't pretend, and that's why he's a good doctor and it's good medicine. The first word is is ungodly, verse 6. Christ died for who? The ungodly. When God looks at us, he says... Mm, I made you in my image, but you're nothing like me. Uh, I can't identify with what I've made. Uh, You were nothing like me. What went wrong? Secondly, powerless. Look at verse 6 again. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, powerless in the sense that we couldn't save ourselves, powerless in the sense that even when I wanted to do the right thing, I ended up doing the wrong thing. You know, that life is one big quicksand. The more I thrash, the more I sink. And then the third word, sinner, verse uh, verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word sinner is taken from ancient archery. And uh, I I read a little bit more about it. And basically, it means literally, you missed. Uh, And it was what the slave said to the master when he was doing target practice. You missed. You missed every time he fell short. And if the bullseye for us as humans is to love our awesome God, and to love each other. Um, God is saying, you missed. You missed again. You missed again. Now, no point taking comfort in the fact that some are worse than others. As, uh, as I thought about uh, not that long ago, I've got a friend who missed a plane by one minute, three minutes, sorry, and I missed, I've got a friend who missed a plane by a whole day, but you know, it ended up in exactly the same situation. They both missed the plane. And that some may fall short more than others is... Regardless, really, they both missed the plane. We've all sinned. We're in the same, there's no us in them. We're all in the same boat. You know, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who uh, really suffered under Stalin in, in the gulag in, um, in Russia, said this, and he was trying to separate the good, you know, destroy the idea that there are goodies and baddies in terms of nations and states and, and uh, ideas. And he said this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, not between classes, nor between political parties either, but right, but right through every human heart, even within hearts. Now, I know none of these words really kind of get the personal. You can read them in, in the ungodly sinner. They, they lack something that the fourth word gives us, and that is it reminds us of the personal impact of our rebellion against God. And it's in verse 10. The word is enemy. For while we were still, for sorry, while we were God's enemies. Well, you may not connect with sinner or ungodly, but I bet you know what a sinner and what an enemy is. You ever been so badly hurt by someone that you're waking up at four in the morning and wishing them dead? <laughs> That's usually a clue that you've got an enemy. And the idea of having them removed from the face of the earth would be a most pleasant thought. <laughs> well, we have turned the one being who is creating us alive into an opponent. And now is... Uh, and it's one thing having a human enemy, it's quite another being God's enemy. Um, I went to a school up the road, St. Aidan's Catholic Primary School. And uh, like all the schools in Rudy Hill, can I say, every one of them is a great school. 
Um, and I had a great time, and the nuns were fantastic. Um, and I remember waiting outside, and I was talking to Charlie Gauchy, a lot of Maltese in my ear, and uh, my bus went up the hill, and I said, where did, your bu- where did your bus go? And he said, it goes down the hill, and it turns right at that church that's not a Catholic church. That was this church. Little did I know, 30 years later, uh, I'd be the pastor of this church, and I'd knock down that old building, and we're in this one right now. But when I was in primary school, you know, one of the things you do, especially as a boy, you do playing chasings. And uh, I remember chasing Patrick Valiskins. He was Dutch. He was tall, fast. And I, and I outran him into the classroom one moment, at one time. And I was so thankful. I slammed the door, locked it, and punched the air. And uh, he leaned into the window next to me and said, Ray, open the door. You've jammed my fingers. And I said, yeah, right. Like, I'm going to fall for that one. <laughs> anyway, three minutes later, he starts to cry. He's crying. I'm thinking, thinking to myself, He's either A, a very good actor, or B, I'm in very big trouble. So I unlocked the door and opened, and there they were, four flat, bruised, badly bruised fingers. I felt so bad. Friends, we've all shut the door on God's face. And it wasn't a mistake. That was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It was willful. And it wasn't just for five minutes. It was intentional and sustained. And in spite of all the hurt and anger we've caused God, while we had treated him worse than some mangy dog, Christ willingly, deliberately, lovingly came upon that cross to die for us. As one girl, one woman said actually, one young woman, she said, you know, what blew me away about becoming a Christian is not that I could be Jesus' friend, that he would want to be my friend. Now some of you think, oh, low self-esteem. That's not low self-esteem. That's an accurate understanding because she knew that when Christ died for her, she was an enemy, a sinner, powerless and ungodly. And what rightly amazed her wasn't that Jesus was prepared to stand with her, as wonderful as that is, but to die for her in her place. And friends, now that's a love that breaks all the rules. All of them. When, when we're at our worst, he gives us his best. That's grace. And when does that happen? Like, try to think of, as a preacher, forget it. Although, imagine with me for a moment. This morning, I'm flicking through my news feed, and I come across a story where Putin's bodyguard, one of his bodyguards, is a Ukrainian man whose father was poisoned by the Russian government under instructions from Putin himself. And here is this Ukrainian bodyguard who I find out at about 10 o'clock this morning, our time, uh, was killed um, protecting Putin from an assassination attempt. And you're thinking, no way. And I said, that's exactly right. I just made that up. I said imagined, but you mightn't have heard it. (laughs) Because it doesn't happen. You don't. You don't die for your enemy. You kill your enemy, maybe. You might ignore your enemy. You might even forgive your enemy. But you never die for your enemy. Except here. In verse 7, the Apostle Paul considers the greatest act of love uh, a human can offer. In verse 7 he says, and he notes how rare it is, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly bear to die dare to die it's rare but it happens you and I would like to think we would die for our loved ones 
A mother, you know, would like to think that she would lay down her life for a child. A soldier, you know, we know of stories of men throwing themselves on hand grenades to absorb the explosion so that the men in his platoon will live. But the pattern gets broken here. See, what's the worst thing you can have in life? An enemy. What's the best thing you can give? Your life. The two never go together. (laughs) Except at the cross on that first Good Friday. So let's be very clear. While you were an enemy, Christ died for you. See, we're worse, what does Tim Keller say? We're worse than we can imagine. We're more loved than we can ever hope for. Now that's about opposite to all of our human experiences, let me tell you. You know, Putin's invasion of Ukraine, it's so awful and tragic. But he's really undoing the work that Gorbachev did 31 years ago when he dismantled the Soviet Union and gave the Ukraine the freedom to go independent. And Gorbachev, though, was no pushover because when Gorbachev's uh, uh, enemy, uh, KGB, they decided with all of these changes and he's trying to dismantle all these, uh, these collegiate of states uh, under the Soviet Union, uh, they, uh, the KGB, the spy outfit for Russia, they basically organised a coup and he was under house arrest for three days. Anyway, eventually he, 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 he was set free, regained power. And then there's this scene, I still remember it, where he's staring in front of the men who organised the coup. Now, he said it in Russian, but the translation didn't need to be because you could, you could hear the venom in his lips. And the translation said, there will be no forgiveness. <laughs> and they were executed that day. And then I thought, whoa, when they organized a coup on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and tried to overthrow Jesus Christ. What do you hear from him? Those majestic words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's the difference. In our life, when people are being really angry with us, you tend to learn to expect two responses. Someone's either going to attack you in some way or ignore you in some way. But even though God was rightfully, righteously angry with us, he neither lashes out nor stays away, but steps forward with the body of his son to die in our place. And that, my friends, is love. A love you can't earn, a love we don't deserve, a love that breaks all the rules. Last week I was listening to a song um, uh, that... I hadn't heard for a long time by Billy Joel called Just The Way You Are. And I'm telling you, when I got married, everyone wanted it played at their wedding. I think Carol and Steve Gucci here, I'm pretty sure it was played at their wedding. Am I right? Yes, it was, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah. And, uh, and there's a line in the song that says, I could not love you any better. And I've always loved that line because, well, it doesn't work with human relationships. But that's exactly what God has been singing to us from the cross. I could not love you any better. I could not love you any more. I withheld nothing from you, not even my one and only son. But God's love for us is bigger than simply dying for us while we're ratbags, as wonderful as that is. God's love is seen in the type of death that it is. That in his death, he, he stapled your sins to himself. He stapled your sentence of hell to himself so that you can be forgiven, so that you could escape hell and enjoy life everlasting with him. He's throwing to you right now, if you've never received it, the only life throne that God has ever thrown out to humanity. This is it. And the one thing you can't say from this moment on, if you've never heard this message before, the one thing you cannot say from here on is that no one loves me. 
Now, you don't have to wait for the last day to enjoy this love. Look at verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Since Christ has died for us, we are justified. Oh, it's a beautiful word. It simply means the charges have been dropped, declared not guilty. And accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and only because you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you can know now what God is going to say in the last day. And what he's going to say is not guilty, forgiven. And the point here is, you notice the how much more? He's saying, if God, God is saying to you, if I've done the hardest thing, and the hardest thing I've ever had to do if you've already done it, letting my son die for you while you're an enemy, okay? If I've done the hardest thing, of course I'm going to do the easy thing and accept you into my kingdom now that we're friends. You notice that God not only wants to forgive you, he wants you to know that you're forgiven. He not only loves you, he wants you to know that you're loved. That's the kind of God we're dealing with. So let me leave you with a few final words. Firstly, this is not the sort of gift you want to throw back in God's face. If you say no to the love of God, well, what do you think's left? You're going to have to say yes to the wrath of God that he tried to escape. He, he planned to escape, caused you to escape from. If you say no to the wrath of God, uh, say no to the love of God, you're functionally saying, I'm deciding to stay an enemy with God. And friends, remember, this is the only lifeline thrown out. Please take it. You think, why is he praying? Why is he talking about this today? Because this is the most important message. This is the, this is the message that transforms. And I tell you, with the surprise and untimely death of Shane Warne and the uh, Labor senator, I think, both died at 52, out of the blue, it's a reminder. Tomorrow is promised to nobody. But once you grasp this love, man, it, transform, it transformed me 41 years ago. You know? And if I have been any kind of blessing in any small way to you, know this, it's only because God opened my eyes and allowed me to understand that he gave me his worst, sorry, he gave me his best when I was at my worst. And how many lives have we seen transformed at MBM? Uh, man, it's been encouraging. And I don't mean people praying the initial prayer of decision, but seeing them journey, going from immature to mature, and in so many cases, seeing them breathe their last for Jesus. What a joy it has been to have front row seats and to see God at work. This is a love that you can't keep to yourself, whether we stay in Sydney or whether we go to Dubai. You know, it's a very hard thing to leave one's family and one's church family, but isn't Jesus worth it? You know, this love that breaks all the rules. Once you hear that he gave us his best and we're at our worst, anything he asks is nothing compared to that. And it's why Christians must indeed love the enemies. You know, if you have been hurt through the season of COVID, and I know that there have been, the real test, I always say, whether you've or, or for whatever circumstances, the real test about whether you've grasped the depth of your sin and Christ's love that breaks all the rules is your willingness to forgive, mindful that you've been forgiven so much. That's why I didn't plan for Kim to say what she said, but it was perfect timing. And there's a woman who's come from a tra traumatised background. So let me finish by doing, I think, what's the best thing I can do? I know what it is. I'll pray for you. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm mindful I'm just, I'm, there are, in this particular service, because it's on a Saturday, there's probably more uh, non-MBMers than MBMers. But to that end, I'm going to pray for all of you. Of course, I include myself, but at this point, I'm just going to particularly pray for all of you, that you will grasp the depth of God's love. It's a prayer found in Ephesians 3. It's a prayer I've prayed for myself, for Sandy, for my kids and for the church on a regular basis. So why don't we go to our Father in heaven in prayer and let me pray for you as the final pastoral word from this pastor who's saying goodbye. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are the God who can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. That alone blows our mind. I now ask for all those who are here today and all those who call MBM home. And I say, Father, that in your kindness, please enable them to grasp afresh a, deep, a deeper experience of your love for them in Christ Jesus. Help them to be overwhelmed by the precious truth that when they were at their worst, enemies, you gave them your best, your son, on the cross. Enable them by your spirit that they may understand the love of Christ Jesus, that they may understand that the love of Christ is wide enough to include any person who repents, that the love of Christ is long enough to last for all eternity, that the love of Christ is deep enough to reach even the worst of sinners, that the love of Christ is high enough to take them to heaven. And may this love, which surpasses all understanding, set them free to live fully devoted lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And forgive my many failures, Lord, and thank you for the absolute privilege it has been to pastor this wonderful church for 31 years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.